Okay, so we are in Mark. We are working our way through it. Uh, It's been fun. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I know as a pastoral staff, we've really enjoyed the study that we've had. Uh, And today, we're going to be looking at a passage. It's a parable uh, about the ears and and how how we listen, how how well we are at hearing what is said, and then applying that to our lives, whether uh, just knowledge or spiritual truths. Uh, The passage that we're going to look at today is often referred to as the parable of the sower, focusing on the one spreading the seed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, and then the possible uh, receptions of it, right? So we're going to see four different ways that it's received. But this morning, I want to challenge you today that the message of the gospel is the same. So the sower, the one who's spreading the seed, the gospel message, is giving out the, the same message. It's unchanging. Jesus Christ loved us enough to come to this world. And so no matter who I talk to uh, in my life, in my day-to-day interactions, the gospel message is the same. God loved you. And he loved you enough to send his son. And so that that message, the good news, the kingdom message that Jesus is putting forward is the same. Uh, And and it may be heard by multiple people at one time or or spread out through a day or weeks or or months. and, and, And it can be heard, responded to. And then applied in different ways. And really, that's what I see here in this passage. So how will you hear the message? What kind of ears will you have? What will you do when you hear? And will you truly listen to the message? Or will you just hear it? We're going to talk about that a couple different times today. The idea of of actually listening and the application of it. Or are you just hearing? hearing the words. I can remember times when my chil- uh, with my children where I've communicated with them, where I've told them something, uh, and, and I know they hear it. Maybe I even ask them to regurgitate it, like, tell me back. Let's, let's practice this, uh, this kind of hearing where you're going to tell me what I just told you, right? But will they actually listen to it? Will they actually obey it? Will they heed my advice or or respond to my request? Will their hearts be pricked and changed? Or do they hear and then remain unchanged by the message? Uh, It's a long distance sometimes between the ear and the heart, right? That 12 inches... It is a long way, it's a long distance, it's a long ways from what you hear to applying it to your life and allowing yourself to be changed. So is it possible to hear the good news of the kingdom, respond to it, yeah, I believe that, and yet not listen, truly listen. Today we're going to see the parable of the seed being sown and the different responses to those, uh, or from those people who hear it. So let's move into Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, ears to truly hear. I'm going to be reading along up here out of the ESV uh, Bible. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we do have some on a grab a Bible table back there. You can get up right now even and walk back there and grab a copy of God's Word and, and let that be a gift from us to you today. We do think it's important that everybody has a copy of God's Word of their own. 
starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, and we're going to just pause there really quick to remind us of where we've been. And if this is your first Sunday here, uh, catch you up just a little bit. Uh, Jesus has been healing people. Jesus has been teaching people about the kingdom, the coming kingdom, about himself. But he's doing it in such a way that it's in parables, it's in stories, and Holy Spirit is opening up people's hearts and minds, much like what he does even today. So here we see Jesus coming in in, in chapter 4, coming to another opportunity uh, uh, to, to teach, to speak, to preach, whatever you want to call it, and we see a large crowd gathered. Now we know from last week that the crowd that was gathering at, at that particular time, they estimate between ten and 20,000 people and that Jesus was afraid for his life. Now obviously he wasn't, he's God, but he, it was so many people that he was afraid that they were at least afraid, the disciples or Jesus was afraid that he would be crushed. There were so many people pushing in on him. Again, Jesus was someone that people wanted to see. People wanted to hear him, and people wanted to be healed. Jesus was healing everyone. And so we talked about the idea that if, if you had a sick son or daughter or spouse or friend, that if Jesus, the healer, was in Tacoma, you would probably travel up there. And that's what was happening in that day and age. And so uh, last week we looked, there was like five or six towns where people were coming from and these large crowds were there. And so again, we see Jesus, uh, as he has a habit of, starting to teach. He's by the sea. And this time he thought ahead, not, not that Jesus would ever be caught by surprise, but he has a boat there waiting for him. And not a boat to escape, but a boat to get into to then speak from. These circumstances, like I said, they're starting to become more and more uh, familiar to us because it's been happening. Large crowds, uh, preaching, people coming to see him. And so he uses this boat as a, as a podium or as a stage. He gets in it. He goes out a few feet. The people are stuck on the shore, and he's able to teach from there. And he was teaching them many things in parables, it says. Interestingly enough, this is one of only two times that Mark breaks from his narrative style uh, to include a large chunk of Jesus' actual teaching. So again, Mark is really good. We've talked about this from week one a couple months ago, that Mark is going to go quick. It's rapid fire. He's going to tell you only the facts you need to know, and he's going to just pop, 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 pop. This is what you need to know. And if you want to hear a little bit more about some of these stories, you can go read it in another gospel. But we're going to pop through these things real quick. And, and here we see a break in that. Mark is going to actually take some time here to focus in on the actual teaching or the, the full parable. And we're going to see uh, that today here in chapter 4. It's going to include four parables. Uh, and today we're just looking at the one. The longest so far, but we're only going to be looking at the one. So that we get the whole picture, let's read the whole parable. And then we're going to break that down. So I'm going to be picking up here in verse 3. Listen, Jesus says. 
Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Verse 8, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is the master storyteller, and he uses a setting and a topic that would be familiar to his audience. This was a a society where there were a lot of farmers. A lot of people grew, uh, you know, wheat or whatever it might be, uh, not only for their own family, but then maybe to trade or to sell. And he knew that in the audience that he was speaking to, this would make sense. Uh, Gwen came from North Dakota. Her dad was a dentist, but the rest of the town was farmers or retired farmers. There was one grocery store. There were no stoplights. There was a, 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 a... four or five churches in this town of a thousand, uh, but basically everybody worked in, in, the, in the fields. And so again, Jesus, if he had been teaching in Mott, North Dakota, would have felt right at home. He would have been teaching about the wheat and the, the, the sower and the planting. And, and again, that was a lot of what was like here. There were farmers by trade, and so they understood this. Uh, and it's really a pretty simple story. A sower goes out to sow seed. Some of it's scattered on the path and it's snatched up by birds. Other seed is scattered on rocky soil. It experiences life. That is important to know in in hearing this story and and figuring out what what Jesus meant by it. But it, it experienced life, but then it gets scorched by the sun. That was the second kind of of seed that grew there. Other seed is scattered among the thorns. The thorns took all the nutrients uh, and and, and it started to wither and the thorns choked out uh, the the good, um, the wheat that was growing there. And finally, some fell in good soil. We see the fourth soil there. This seed grew and increased and multiplied. And this was Jesus' teaching. He who has ears let him hear. Now, this had to have been uh, confusing and, and disappointing for so many of them there to, to hear these things. Wait, wait, wait. What, what is your message? What are you trying to tell us? Jesus, I thought you were a spiritual man. Where's the teaching about God? Where's the, the teaching about this, maybe the kingdom that we've heard about, that you've been talking about? Or about life change or, or discipleship? Or, or, or go back to the theme of the Gospel of Mark, that call to come follow me. We have a crowd here, an enormous crowd, and you tell a story about some plants. What's going on here, Jesus? Well, that was the thought, at least, of not only the people who probably heard it, but also his disciples. They probably had the same questions, uh, and they weren't accustomed to this 
type of teaching, or at least not well enough. They just didn't get it. So Jesus uh, talks a little bit about parables and why he teaches to the masses this way. Starting in verse 10, it says, And when he was alone, this is after that teaching time, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Matt Chandler explains uh, uh, it this way. I kind of found this funny, so I jotted down some of his notes, not taking it word for word. Uh, but it says, he was talking about, he said, the disciples come up to Jesus and, and they say, hey, we don't know what you're talking about, right? Because the disciples are getting a lot of interaction with the crowds, right? Jesus is speaking. Jesus takes a break. People are interacting with those 12 disciples, right? We don't know what you're talking about. We don't. I, I don't know how you're expecting them to understand what you're teaching, Jesus, because I'm with you 24-7 and I have no clue what you're saying either, Boss, we don't even know what, what, what you're talking about. In, in, in fact, if you use your imagination, I can imagine Peter saying something like this. Hey, Jesus, really quickly, this guy just came up to me. He asked me, he was like, what is he talking about? And I said, well, you need to pray about that, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit will, will let you know. I mean, you got to hurry up, Jesus. you got to tell me what's going on, because I don't know what to tell these people. I thought that was really interesting to think about this. The disciples were even struggling with knowing what Jesus was saying, but when he was alone with them, he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Note that our author is careful to define how these disciples got here, right? For us, prideful humans, we like to believe that we've somehow attained knowledge and insight, right? We understand things. We, we talk in ways that a lot of people won't understand to make ourselves feel better. And then half the time, we don't even know what we're saying. We've just heard somebody else say it, right? This means we're smart enough, savvy enough, clever enough to, to understand Jesus maybe a little bit better, right? If we can understand what this is saying. But this couldn't be further from the truth. We didn't earn it. We didn't figure it out, Look at what Mark says there. Again, we've talked about how Mark chooses his words very carefully. And so if you have received insight into the Bible, if you've received insight into the parables, especially this one that we're talking about today, but really any of them are the teachings of the good news of Jesus Christ, you need to remember that you were given the secret of the kingdom of God. This is not something that just man can attain. And what is that secret? Well, that secret is Jesus. Jesus revealed the mystery of God, the coming of the kingdom. The secret is, the, is that the kingdom of God has come in the person, in the words, and the works of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, through these parables, is acknowledging that not everybody is going to see this. Not everybody is going to hear this. The secret of God is, is one that he chooses to reveal to some people, and yet it's veiled from others. 
Now, this is one of the major focuses of the celebration of Christmas. As we were looking at this this week and praying through this passage, we wanted to say, okay, Lord, how can we connect this to the season that we're in right now, Christmas? But if you think about it, we celebrate the lowly coming, this humble beginning, the most unexpected arrival of a king in all of the history of the world. Only faith could recognize the Son of God born in a manger to a humble carpenter's wife in little old Nazareth. Indeed, those without faith uh, hear these parables, right, and they don't understand. They haven't been given the insight. They don't know yet. His verbiage there, it says those outside right, of the understanding. This is quite poignant. For indeed, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the ones who had the most problem with Jesus and the challenges that he was bringing up to the religious system, they believed themselves to be the insiders. They had all the answers. They were the religious elite, and everybody else was the outsider. And yet, here we see that that's not the way Jesus saw that. They were the ones on the outside in this story. And these disciples who had chosen to be with Jesus and to hear his words and to gain the insight and understanding that only he could reveal were the ones on the inside. We see such irony there in this story. He quotes Isaiah 6, 9 to 10 there to describe those on the outside. They see but don't perceive. They hear but they do not understand. So we see the parable. We see what happened in front of the crowd. And then we're given a little glimpse of the conversation that happened after. Maybe the bow was taking off out into the lake. Maybe the crowd had dispersed uh, for the evening. And those closest to him, those that were left, talked to Jesus about that. And he said to them... Right? Jesus has mercy and, and grace for those inside that still don't understand. He wants to clarify this, so he's going to patiently explain the parable in, in the end of our text today here. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and, and these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. We see some repetition in here, uh, things we want to make sure we're looking at. The word, right? Lagos, it's going to occur eight times. It's really important. Jesus' words, God's word to mankind through Jesus. The other thing we're going to see is the idea of hearing. Uh, We'll see that four different times in there. So we want to make sure we watch for those words, the word and hearing. It says the sower sows the word. The word of God is another name for the the Bible. It's the name for the good news. It's the name for uh, the, the concepts of God sending his son to this earth. So they hear the word, uh, seems to refer to the totality of the gospel of Jesus. In this quick way to to refer to all the teachings that he will give. 
and the four scenarios here, the seeds planted, r- represent the potential for four different people's response to the gospel. So let's talk about each one of the people here in this parable. Uh, in the passage that I've read so far, we see person number one. This is someone who just doesn't believe in Jesus. They simply reject him. And rejecting Jesus, you're rejecting God the Father, right? You're rejecting the kingdom come. You're rejecting uh, uh, God in the flesh, sent to reveal the Father, In Jesus, we have salvation in life, and by him, we receive the Holy Spirit, and our eternity is sealed. Without him, our eternity is sealed also, but we're on the outside at that point, away from the presence of God forever. Now, uh, if you've shared your faith with people, whether it's family members, friends, neighbors, you know that sometimes when you explain it to them, When you tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, they don't necessarily receive it, hear it, repent, change their life. Sometimes they reject it. I'm not going to ask for hands, but I can tell you that I have shared the good news of Jesus Christ with people by the power of the Holy Spirit, clearer than I, I have ever shared it before, and thought, man, alive, this is money. It doesn't get any better than what I just said to this friend of mine. And yet it's been rejected. It falls on deaf ears. Right? And that can be discouraging. But if we acknowledge that that Holy Spirit is the one who will take those seeds and will ultimately bring those people along, it, it gets a little bit easier. But when I get done with that conversation and I've shared the good news of Jesus Christ and they reject, that is the, the person that Jesus was talking about here first. So hopefully we've all experienced this. And I say hopefully we've all experienced it because then it means you're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because here Jesus acknowledges not everyone is going to receive these truths. So if you have not been rejected sharing your faith, my encouragement for you today would be to share the good news of Jesus Christ and rejoice in the rejection. Because then it means you are doing what you have been called to do. Trust that your words don't have to convince anyone, but that the Holy Spirit will take those seeds and he will move that person forward. So rejection, the first person, pretty clear, right? We see the, the seed falls. Satan or these, the birds come in. Satan immediately comes and takes away the seed and nothing happens. Let's jump on there to verse 16. Starting with person number two. And these are the ones uh, sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Okay, they hear the good news, they receive it. They're pumped about it. They're excited. This could be a conference. This could be a youth group event. This could be any situation. Maybe it's in your driveway. You're sharing the good news with your neighbor, right? They hear it. They receive it. But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Person number two hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This person hears and even receives the word of God. They hear it, they believe it, they receive it. 
This person believes in the message of Jesus Christ and receives life. But sadly, tragedy strikes. There's no root. There's no depth. It says, and after a while, tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately they fall away. Just as quickly as it comes, it goes. Now, I've heard it said that this person was never saved, but I disagree This text is pretty obvious. They hear and they receive. And what results? It's life. The previous seed never sprouted, but this one does. I've also heard it said that this text teaches that a person can lose their salvation if they don't remain with Jesus. And we don't even have time to look at all the other scriptures in our Bible that would refute that. If you've been at the GraceWorks for any amount of time, you know that we hold to the idea that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it is secured by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ hanging on that cross, the blood that was shed. You can't lose your salvation. So let me be clear about that. Um, but here, we, we, we don't have time to jump into all the other verses. We'll do that on, on other occasions. But let's just say that that is entirely impossible and out of context of this passage. This text, in our context, seems much more likely to be speaking to the tragedy of those who believe in Jesus Christ, but don't make it to discipleship. They aren't truly invested in becoming a disciple of Jesus. They've been justified, which is a point in time. It happens and it's done, but they have not been sanctified. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. A lot of times we talk about that as being discipleship. We pray every week that, that the Holy Spirit will take what we're hearing and will allow us to grow in our faith and become more like Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. They aren't truly invested in becoming that disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's because of the, the, the time or the cost or the next big thing or hard times that may fall on them. Jesus teaches constantly that tribulation and persecution are inevitable for the believer. Some believers experience tribulation or or persecution and they develop mistrust. They go into a hibernation mode. They run away. They get confused. There's not somebody to walk with them down the path of discipleship. Somehow they fall away from fellowship. They leave the church. They lack growth. They never fully commit And that breaks the heart of Jesus, and that should break our heart also. Let's move on to person number three, picking up in verse 18. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This person is a little bit more confusing for it never actually says that they receive it. But if you look at the tragic result at the end of verse 19, it should give you a clue. The tragedy isn't that life doesn't occur. Okay, here in the third, it's kind of, I I think it's taken for granted that life occurs because it says here that it is unfruitful. 
If you spend any time with, uh, with the, 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 the book of John or the author John, you'll know he talks about fruit and, and be going from bearing a little bit of fruit to bearing much fruit. And that is our goal. We are a branch. Jesus is the vine. We are a branch. And we are to bear fruit. And once we bear fruit, we're to bear much fruit. We've been grafted in to the family of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about salvation being secure, that we cannot lose it. But these people are unfruitful. That's the word Mark uses there. That's the word that Jesus uses. This response seems to, uh, to be to believe in Jesus, but never to get to the point where they produce fruits. There's, there's minimal to no sanctification. What a tragedy. This time it's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. All these things might fit into the category best of idolatry. Even as a Christian, it's, it's easy, uh, it's so easy to find our focus shifted, if we're honest with ourselves, onto something other than Jesus Christ for our satisfaction, for our identity, for our worship. And these idols choke out the word, rendering us as the author would say there, unfruitful. Somehow, uh, they, they, we, we, we're away from fellowship. We leave the church. We lack growth. And we are unfruitful. Again, breaking Jesus' heart to the point where he shares this story. And he shares this story so that we will be encouraged to move on and to become the next seed. Finally, person number four. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Right? Mark points out the three things that were lacking in the other story. Right? Accepts it. Bearing fruit. Right? Hearing the word. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Finally, we come to this person, those who hear and accept and bear fruit. This is the disciple of Christ. This is the person that answers to the call to come follow me. This is the person that counts the cost of discipleship and accepts it with their whole heart. They don't let family or money or occupation or identity or whatever it may be distract them or choke them out. Now this was a challenge this week as as Pastor Kevin and Pastor Drew and I uh, talked about this and prayed over this and started putting down some notes on this. Because this is the person we want to be. This is the person we are striving to be. And yet if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we are distracted. We, we, we place other things that are okay in and of themselves, but we, uh, we, we elevate them into a place of an idol, right? And we go after them with our whole hearts. And yet we need to seek first the kingdom of God, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. And again, that doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that you want or that you desire, but that God will take care of you. Here, accept and bear fruit. Now, here's the sad truth. When you, when you think about this kind of a, a parable, the community is full of believers, and yet some of them, a lot of them, are not disciples. 
This is precisely why we, we often say here at the Grace Works that we are called to reach the unchurched and, and the de-churched, those who have accepted the good news of Jesus Christ but have not continued on in their faith. They've been justified, but they haven't gone through sanctification. We can be agents. We can be, uh, let's just break it down even more. We can be friends. We can be family members who walk down the path of discipleship with those who need to become more like their Savior. We need to be a church that's not just full of believers or people who are willing to come and sit through a service on Sunday morning, but we need to be a church full of disciples. Do we have ears that truly hear?